0: Welcome to the Evangelizing Catholic Culture Podcast Show with your host, Father David Tickerhoof, T O R. Father David is a retired priest currently ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at Our Lady, Queen of Peace, House of Evangelization. You can find the show notes for each episode on the podcast website, Evangelizing Catholic Culture the teachings in this podcast are the thoughts and prayers of Father Tickerhoof and are based upon his good standing in the Catholic Church. And now, here's your host, Father David. Today's topic is the fire of forgiveness. This is episode 13, and you can find the show notes at Evangelizing evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com.
1: Welcome to everyone in this beautiful time of spring when the things are fresh and new. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about the fire of forgiveness, the fire of forgiveness, the fire of God's love. In uh, Matthew's Gospel, I think it's chapter 4, uh, John, John the, the Baptist says that I have baptized you in water for the repentance of sin, but one is coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire, fire. And in this fire is the transforming love of uh, Pentecost. Some of the earlier commentaries are, are look at it from that point of view, but also the purifying fire of transformation that goes on in interiorly in us, but also it's the fire of love from God that is placed in our heart, that sets our hearts aflame with love for our brothers and sisters. So what I'm going to speak about is the fire of forgiveness and accepting the truth that what Jesus says is true that unless we forgive from the heart, the Father will not forgive us. We take that to heart, and for our brothers and sisters, forgiveness comes from the heart. Forgiveness deepens the experience of the fire of God's love in our heart. The Spirit inflames our heart with spiritual love, and by His Spirit and compassion, One needs then to bring forgiveness to full completion and freedom. And that's really what we want to concentrate on in this presentation. I start off talking about uh, Azariah in the, the fiery furnace, the three individuals in the fiery furnace. Azariah stood up in the fire and prayed aloud For your name's sake, O Lord, do not deliver us up forever, or make void your covenant. Do not take away your mercy from us, for we are reduced, O Lord, beyond any other nation, brought low everywhere in the world this day because of our sins. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar with our situation in contemporary society, but... With a contrite heart and humble spirit, let us be received. So let our sacrifice be in your presence today as we follow you unreservedly. For those who trust in you cannot be put to shame. And now we follow you with our whole heart. We fear you and we pray to you. Do not let us be put to shame, but deal with us in your kindness and mercy. Deliver us by your wonders, and bring glory to your name, O Lord. Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 25, the prayer in the fiery furnace. Today we're going to talk about compassion of evoking love power as a primary gift of forgiveness and healing given by the Lord to the church and to individual Christians and individual brothers and sisters. The key of receiving many transforming favors from the Lord is centered in, quote, wholehearted forgiveness, unquote. We see this directly taught by Jesus in the parable of the unjust steward, which I have repeated to you. Peter asks Jesus, how often, seven times, should I forgive? Because in the Old Testament understanding, you you gave forgiveness to a certain point, and then if the person didn't change, then you didn't forgive them. But Jesus responds, not seven times, Peter, but 77 times. Jesus then proceeds to tell the parable of the unjust servant, who has been forgiven by his master, which we've referred to, and then he goes out and wouldn't forgive his other other servant, and then the master calls him in and puts him in prison. So he says, here's what he says, so will, Jesus says at the end, Matthew 18, Matthew eighteen twenty-one to 35, so will my heavenly Father do to you, unless each of you, Forgives your brother from your heart. Then something that we see in the writings of Francis and in other places. Reproduce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. I am baptizing you with water for repentance. Even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire, the transforming fire. I am baptizing you with water. I just mentioned this above.
0: But the one who
1: is coming is mightier than I, and I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So this whole notion of the spirit and fire working together produces the experience of transforming love. And in this sense, we find that Luke kind refers this to, uh, in Luke three sixteen to 19, this forms in our hearts the spiritual love. And quite frankly, brothers and sisters, the journey to the heights of spiritual love, if you want to use that term, is the, in, the increasing of spiritual love in our heart is what primarily makes the difference in our developing spiritual, sanctifying uh, human maturity, human maturity. It's all connected to the whole person. And holiness is wholeness. Wholeness. Holiness. The grace of holiness affects the whole person and the person in relationships. In the biblical story of the golden calf, which the Israelites made out of their golden jewelry, symbolizing their sin, worldly revelry, and idol worship, Moses, when he came down, he broke the covenant stones, and he took the golden calf and he infused all of it in the fire and melted it down, put it in water, and made the Israelites drink it as a reparation and purifying punishment for their disobedience and their sensual revelry. Exodus 32, verses 1 to 20. In his mercy, the Lord bestows compassion and the purifying fire of the Spirit when he forgives our sins. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deluded slaves to various desires and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful ourselves and hating one another, but when the kindness and generous love of God our Savior appeared, not because of any righteous deeds we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the bath of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Titus, chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. The tongues of the purifying and transforming fire of Pentecost comes upon us when we receive His divine mercy and compassion in forgiveness and set our hearts aflame with spiritual love. Forgiveness is not always an easy thing. The purifying fire of repentance and forgiveness burns. Frequently, we try to forgive because it is what the scriptures call for, and it's the right thing to do. Sometimes our forgiveness can be very cerebral or superficial, just mental. And there there are times when we say, "I forgive you when we really don't mean it, or we are taken by surprise by the hurt of the other another and haven't had time to process the incident, and thus are not really ready to forgive. Or it is a long-standing wound that runs deep in us, and a simple I forgive you doesn't do the job. Therefore, often we don't truly forgive the offenses of others from our hearts. We don't realize that forgiveness is a process. We don't forgive the entire debt of another's words or actions that have been hurtful and wounded. We merely tolerate them. Or we let them accumulate and accrue with interest, or we put up barriers and blocks to protect ourselves. It is possible to allow unresolved resentments to fill our scorecard until we can't stand it anymore, and it surfaces in us some painful or ugly ways within us. The statement of Jesus that we have to forgive others from our heart requires us to erase the full measure of the hurt, the pain, the loss, or betrayal that others have caused us. This requires our dedication or commitment to reach out and extend a liberating mercy and compassion to others and to ourselves, whether it is the first offense, or the result of many long-standing and accumulated hurts. Because we live in an imperfect, sometimes dangerous and sinful world, very few people escape the reality of receiving, intentionally and many times unintentionally, the wounds and hurts from others in the various stages of human development, from conception to adulthood. Added to this is the reality of our personal sins and mistakes we make in life. Sometimes we are more vulnerable than we realize. No matter in what manner we come to the understanding of God's merciful goodness and his deep personal love for each one of us, we really automatically desire to respond To the Lord's initiatives as fully as we can. People are generally do the best they can. People generally really try to be good people. It's it's we see and identify wicked people not frequently. Not frequently, wicked evil people are not frequent. Mostly people good and trying. So when we respond to some degree we experience the wonderful working of the grace and power of God's love actively present in our life. The scriptures clearly reveal a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, uh, personally reveal to us that a personal commitment to Jesus Christ activates for those who are baptized in water and experiential knowledge that the Father in Jesus through the Spirit dwells proactively, intimately, within our very being. As Paul says, Do you not know that you are temples of the Holy Spirit? And are you not aware that God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him? Our baptism in water has given us the power to die to sin and the beautiful gift of living the new life in Jesus in the new creation. This basic and fundamental reality sets us on a dynamic path for holiness and human maturity. The narrow way Jesus speaks about in the gospel. As we begin praying more, the Spirit of God begins to gently show us areas of unforgiveness in many relationships and situations in our life. This process can go way back even to the time of conception. Life-giving repentance in the Holy Spirit actively leads us to forgiveness of those who have hurt us in the past and even now In the present. As we forgive others, we begin to feel some freedom from various types of darkness and oppression. We are also led to ask the Lord to forgive us for the hurts or harm we have done to others. And most importantly, we are called to forgive ourselves. Let me repeat that. And most importantly, We are called to forgive ourselves. This process of transformation can have many aspects and levels in the Christian growth of our human personhood. First of all,
0: it is important
1: to consciously realize that the Lord with his compassionate love and mercy is the initiator and sustainer of the power of the gift of forgiveness that leads us to spiritual freedom. It is good to remember that forgiveness is a big benefit to me and by no means lets the person who has wounded me off the hook. Not at all. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation needs mutual forgiveness And and restoring the unity, it takes two people. Sometimes we'll never be able to be reconciled with some people. Either they died or they're out of our life and life situation has changed. So reconciliation is something that comes after the process of forgiveness where possible and is a tremendous thing. We may never be reconciled with another person, yet we may experience God's gift of freedom in ourselves. When we do forgiveness, we should try and stand in the living experience of faith and in the active power and presence of the risen Jesus and of the cross. The life-giving spirit-filled repentance and forgiveness is an experience of the Father's merciful love in our lives. Forgiveness is a process experienced at various levels of our human development sometimes with the person we have even forgiven before. My personal action of forgiveness is the mercy of Jesus in action. My personal exercise of forgiveness as a servant of mercy is practicing the spiritual and sometimes corporal works of mercy. Forgiveness is at the heart of divine mercy. Now, that leaves us with a a real challenge here. How do we bring forgiveness to full completion and freedom? Over the last five or six years, I've had the opportunity of relating to the Anglo community, the Hispanic, and the Asian community, both in Texas and in Florida. And so I am aware then that some people would come for guidance or counsel or reconciliation, and they would say something like this: "Oh, Father, I don't know what it is. I, I, he has hurt me deeply, or she has hurt me deeply, and I, I just, I, I just can't. I, I definitely choose and want to forgive. I, I made a decision to forgive." And and yet at the same time, these things come back up and I feel the pain and I feel the distress and, and, and then I don't know why I, I, I'm i not being forgiven. I wonder why lo- the Lord isn't giving me uh, forgiveness, you know. And so, what, and, I, and, I, and I say, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. I say, first of all, first of all, I say, we'll deal with this in a minute, but I'll say, first of all, Once you decide to forgive, that's one of the the four aspects of completing forgiveness. That's one. So you're forgiven. In an attempt to do forgiveness in our heart, there's various reasons why individuals do not complete their repentance and forgiveness. And as a result, they do not experience the complete freedom of forgiveness, the closure of the pain, the struggle, the anxiety, the fear, even though they made a decision to forgive. In the first instance, a person may recognize one's unforgiveness or sin and make a sincere decision. This is what I was just talking about. A sincere decision to repent by confessing it to the Lord or another authentic person who is able to receive it. And then stop there. They may not check to see. The second point. The first point is the decision. The second point is if that they may need some counsel, some guidance, some counseling, spiritual healing, spiritual direction, or healing that, that in a sense from the hurts and wounds they received in the episodic unforgiveness or deliverance for those hurts which surrounded the wounded situation or sin. Even when they do this, they may still not complete the process of forgiveness by not performing the actions which are going to really give them the closure they're looking for. So we've got two points. We have the decision, and then we have the necessary ministry they receive to bring them into a good place for healing or guidance or forgiveness. And so then, they still have this difficulty. Those two, point one and two, are the first phase of the forgiveness process. Now, the next phase of the forgiveness process to completion has two parts. After a genuine and substantial forgiveness and receiving the necessary healing or counsel, it is important to leave go. Leave go, number three. Leave go or surrender the negative experience and the hurting event. Now that's the point. Some individuals do not want to let go of their hearts and wounds, and as a result, they do not experience total freedom. And painful memories come back, keep coming back. So the second and final part, leading to complete freedom, is an enclosure to the the forgiveness in this situation, is the focus of power. The focus of power. It's the focus of powerful prayer. Prayer power. It is freedom, power that is focused on praying for the person who has hurt us. And not just a superficial prayer, which doesn't penetrate and change the situation, but power-focused prayer, which brings everything to the freedom of completion. This is especially true in long-standing abuse, hurts, or wounds in the relationships which were the occasion for the unforgiveness. So here's the summary again. Here is a summary of the... Forgiveness process leading to peaceful, complete freedom. Number one, honest and sincere decision and appropriate action to exercise heartfelt forgiveness. Number two, receiving the necessary counseling, healing, or deliverance surrounding the, the harmful and hurtful situation. Number three, Letting go and surrendering all the negative elements involved. And number four, power-focused prayer for the individual who caused the problem. All four of these aspects need to be pursued in order to allow forgiveness to bring complete spiritual freedom. We will look at some of these things and a method of prayer in in another presentation at another time. So now, grateful for the fact that we have the ability to become free by forgiveness in union with the Lord Jesus, crucified and risen, and has sent us the Holy Spirit. We rejoice in living the joy of the gospel and the love that we give and receive from others around us. And so now, may we pray. Our Lord, spur us on to desire and possess a more abundant life through the healing gift of mercy. And being rich in mercy, you constantly offer pardon and call call we sinners on to trust in your forgiveness alone. You have never turned away from us. Though time and time again we have broken your covenant, you have bound the human family to yourself through Jesus your Son, our Savior and Redeemer, with a new bond of love so tight that it can never be undone. Even now, in, quote, the grace of the present moment, unquote, this time of grace and reconciliation, and as each one of us turns back to you, you grant us hope and freedom in Christ Jesus and a desire to be of service to all as we entrust ourselves more fully to the Holy Spirit, and so filled with love and wonder, we extol the power of your merciful, healing love, and proclaim to others the joy of salvation which comes from you. And we pray this prayer in the power of the cross and the glory of the resurrection, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: The opinions on this broadcast are those of Father Tickerhoof. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, and please share this podcast with a friend. And to contact Father David, email him at frdavidjt at gmail.com. And be sure to leave Father a star rating on any podcast app. You can find more information about Father David on evangelizingcatholicculturepodcast.com.